Fresh from a not-so-Super Bowl halftime show, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast that thinks Christopher Walken is a weird guy. He once frightened a slinky into going back upstairs. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, hello, hello. It's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, but you probably already knew that because my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, told you that I was here. He's a spoiler. He always wrecks the surprise. Anyway, thank you for joining us today. We are so pleased to have you. And uh, probably the reason you're here, I know the reason we're here is, uh, and I use the royal we frequently, is that uh it is time for many people to think about crossing the great divide from Obamacare to Medicare. <clears throat> and I'm here to help you feel pretty good about that because I think it's going to be an improvement in most cases, uh, an improvement in insurance protection and an improvement in the cost of that insurance protection. So I think you're going to find that Medicare, especially if you follow my instructions as a Medicare advisor, I'm just full of Medicare instructions. And if you follow my advice, then you're going to find that your uh, lengthy, decades-long association with Medicare is not going to be very expensive and is probably going to be all the coverage you need to protect you from drastic medical expenses. In fact, uh, my book conveys all of that uh, advice to you. It is called, ironically, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2022 simplest and easiest guide ever you can find it at barnesandnoble.com you can also find it at amazon.com and when you go to the amazon sales page you're going to find the hardcover edition you're going to find the paperback edition you're going to find the kindle or ebook edition and you will also find the audible edition which has me reading the book to you just in case you're too lazy to actually turn the pages and um, believe me, there must be a lot of people out there like that because we sell a bunch of those Audible books. And so I am happy to welcome you to the land of Medicare for the Lazy Man. And in fact, uh, the person who makes this podcast happen, because I'm not capable of figuring it out on my own, is uh, right on the other side of the screen. He's staring at me now, wondering if I'm going to be talking about Medicare Advantage plans this time that's his favorite subject matter and he often has much to say uh but not today i'm going to have a an entirely different podcast content today so it's randy carson i'd like to present uh joining me here in the studio how are you randy i'm great how are you mr jones i'm just hunky dory except for that reference to the the mountain you left us with last time uh, high up above the snow line i don't want to be in snow <laughs> can we move my home a little farther down the mountain uh, so? all right all right we'll we'll bring you down below the tree line so that when you get up in the morning you can look out the window and see the pines i appreciate uh, that I, i'll agree i'll agree to bring you down below the tree line but 
definitely I'm going to leave you in the mountains and the high altitude because otherwise I've got nothing to talk about at the end. I know. Well, we can't have that. And I will tell you that I've got uh, about 360 degree mountain views here. So I'm happy to be in the mountains. They're certainly a lot more picturesque than uh, the flat desert is in other parts of the state. Um, I have to announce that I'm going to be a guest on somebody else's podcast. And (laughs) I hope they don't regret it. But uh, the podcast in question is Little Joe's Conservative Corner. That's Little Joe's, J-O-E apostrophe S, Conservative Corner, if you want to listen to his podcast. And I think what he started doing is when he has guests, maybe maybe all the time, he's doing video recording and posting those episodes in a different spot. I think he's got a YouTube channel. I'll probably know more after I talk with him, but Friday morning, I have to get up really, really early because he's uh, in Southern Florida. And I, of course, am in Arizona, which is a three-hour time difference. And so if I can focus properly, and if Mary actually wakes me up, then little Joe and I will be chewing the fat mostly probably about Medicare, uh, and that'll be recorded on Friday. Probably he'll drop those ep- or that episode uh, the following week. So if you want to uh, hear, it, we also have an interview that I did for another organization, and Randy's been threatening to put it on the website. Did, you, uh, did that ever get done, Randy, or are we still waiting? I am looking, I'm looking for, well, just so you know, the audience, uh, we'll get them latched into the information here. Uh, we're considering reevaluating where certain things appear on the landing page to make it easier for y'all. So I'm kind of dragging my feet on the video until we figure out where everything uh, turns up on the landing page. Well, I think that's probably good. I am not of the opinion the video itself belongs on our website because it puts the lie to that very, very old picture of me that's in every edition of the book. And uh, when people see me in person, they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. That guy has been lying to us. He's not a young whippersnapper. And so I didn't want to have to confront the truth of my uh, aging, my advancing age uh, by having my actual uh, recording, my Zoom recording. Also, uh, knowing that uh, older people like me are not supposed to look or have the camera below your face, I propped up my laptop with the camera in it so that I thought I was looking straight at it. And I thought this is going to look a lot more professional. When I watch the recording, I see myself looking down at the guy who's talking to me. And then I, when I'm answering, I look up at the little white light where the camera <laughs> is. And so that's, that's yeah. something I, only experience, I guess, can teach you how to correct stuff like that. Well, there's a lot of technical ways to do it. And, you know, me being the technical technocrat that I am. Yes, you are. I have I have looked at a number of different options, but the only real answer is to build yourself a reflection box, which is a lot of work. Yeah, it sounds and like too much work for me. So it essentially puts you as though you're looking directly at your audience, but you're reading off kind of like a teleprompter sort of a thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's just way, way, way a lot of work. There's another option. I I wish I could think of the name of this thing, but it was on a, uh, an advertisement that I saw. I think it was one of those things where people invest their money with hopes that it's going to be produced. Whatever that's called. That would be a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) Yes. That would be a Ponzi scheme. Uh, 
it's a it's a camera that you hang on the top of your monitor and it uh -huh. hangs down on a little wire down to the middle of your monitor. Oh, so, no kidding. So then you look at the you look at that and you're looking like you're looking directly at him, which you are. But yep. then the problem is is it blocks out that much of your screen. So right. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you you would look to me as though you had been punched in the face. Yeah, I mean it's it's just weird. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Frankly, uh, when confronted with a problem like this, my answer is to go take a nap. And uh, yes. eventually, eventually other problems occur and I can forget about the problem in question. But a problem in question is happening for people who are not just nursing home patients or residents, but they are also friends and relatives of nursing home residents. Is that wacky or what? I'd say it's wacky and or what? what? Yeah, based on, I'm I'm reading the script here, and I'm not liking where this is going. <laughs> no, it's it's surprised the heck out of me when I saw this, and I handed it to my new editorial assistant who was wielding her her uh, yellow highlighter. And frankly, in this, there are actually two articles that address this. One is a little skimpy on the yellow highlighter. The other one has more. So I'm going to try to discipline myself to uh, stick with the highlighted areas, and uh, if I can get the meaning of this across you'll understand very soon is your camera falling down or it looks like you're wiggling your oh, now you're silent you muted yourself and you're still talking you have no idea that you muted yourself all right so i'm going to go on with the uh, I, I already muted i muted myself but that was an earthquake we were having a small earthquake okay very small though very small. I had to realign my monitor because I've got OCD. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I just wanted to make sure there's nothing more serious wrong than that. All right. So here we are, July 28th of 2022. So it's about eh, four days ago, five days ago, something like that. And uh, the headline of the first article is nursing homes are suing the friends and family of residents in order to collect debts. That is wacky to me, friends and family paying the debts of people who live in nursing homes. So the article begins with a uh, description of Lucille Brooks, who was stunned when she picked up the phone before Christmas two years ago and learned that a nursing home was suing her. And uh, now that is not yellow highlighted. So I'm going to drop down and it says, um, okay, well, apparently the yellow highlighter was used very, very, discriminately. So I'm going to have to read a little more of the non-highlighted text. Brooks, this is Lucille Brooks, uh, would learn that she wasn't alone in being sued by a nursing home pursuing unpaid bills. Nursing homes across this industrial city, uh, Rochester, New York, have been routinely suing not only residents, but their friends and their families. Uh, and, uh, a review of court records reveals the practice has ensnared scores of children, grandchildren, neighbors, and others, many with nearly no financial ties to residents or legal responsibilities for their debts. The lawsuits illuminate a dark corner of America's larger medical debt crisis. Um, Litigation is a frequent byproduct. About one in seven adults who have had health care debt say they've been threatened with a lawsuit or arrest. All right, what do they do? Send them to debtor's prison? Um, 
Yeah, the nursing home industry has quietly developed what consumer attorneys and patient advocates say is a pernicious strategy of pursuing family and friends of patients, despite federal law that was enacted to protect them from debt collection. The level of aggression that nursing homes are using to collect unpaid debt is severely increasing, says a Massachusetts elder law attorney. Nearly two-thirds of the cases that this woman saw targeted a friend or a relative. Many were accused, often without documentation, of hiding residents' assets, essentially stealing. The remaining cases targeted residents themselves or their spouses. Nursing homes have gone after some families for tens of thousands of dollars. In a few cases, the debt surpassed $100,000. The legal strategy is often rooted in admissions agreements, the piles of paperwork that family or friends sometimes sign, not realizing the financial risks. The world of nursing facilities is a black hole for most people, a longtime consumer attorney said. Um, he's at the nonprofit Justice in Aging. This happens in the shadows, he said. Um, lawsuits against families are not a common occurrence. But consumer attorneys in California, Illinois, Kentucky, Massachusetts, New York, and Ohio said they regularly see lawsuits against family and friends. Hmm. Um, so this Lucille Brooks said, people like us live on a fixed income. We don't have money to throw around, especially when you don't see it coming. I think that's true for pretty much everybody. Nobody wants to get blindsided with a uh, financial obligation that you did not expect and that you really don't think is actually uh, fair. Uh, she initially thought there had been a mistake. She and her brother uh, were part of a big family that moved north from Mississippi to escape segregation in the 1960s. Lawson, who was a gifted athlete, despite losing an arm as a child, spent his career at the Rochester Parks and uh, Recreation Department. Brooks worked in insurance. That's Lucille Brooks, who we started out the article with. They lived on opposite sides of the city. My husband is somewhat disabled, and that keeps me pretty busy, said Brooks, who was also active in her church. My brother always took care, I guess that's the Lawson guy, he always took care of his own business. In the summer of 2019, he was Lawson was hospitalized after experiencing complications from diabetes medication. The hospital released him to the county-run nursing home, and Brooks didn't find out for a few days. She visited her brother there several times. No one talked to her about billing, she said, and she was never asked to sign anything. The county alleged that Brooks should have used her brother's assets to pay his bills. Uh, oh, okay. This After two months in the nursing home, the county farm, I guess, Brooks' brother went home. A year later came the lawsuit. The county alleged that Brooks should have used her brother's assets to pay his bills and that she was therefore personally responsible for his debt. Attached to the suit was an admissions agreement with what looked like Brooks's signature. Such agreements, which can run multiple pages, have long been standard in the long-term care industry. They often designate whoever signs as a responsible party who will help the nursing home collect payments or enroll the resident in Medicaid, the government safety net program. Medicaid is a state program, not a federal program. Federal laws and regulations prohibit homes from requiring a resident's relatives or friends to financially guarantee 
the residents' bills. Facilities cannot even request such a guarantee. But consumer advocates say nursing homes slip the admissions agreements into papers that family members sign when the older parent or a sick friend is admitted. Sometimes people are told they must sign, which is a violation of federal law. They're given a stack of forms and told, sign here, sign there, click here, click there. And uh, bang, all of a sudden they find themselves legally obligated. So when Chris Ferris helped to admit his mother to Kirkhaven Nursing Home in Rochester in 2019, he said he asked the staff whether any papers he had signed made him financially liable for her care. They said no, he said. Of course, they're going to say no. Ferris, who was estranged from his mother, had no legal control over her finances. She had been managing her own affairs. Nevertheless, the nursing home sued Ferris two years later for nearly $11,000. It's not right, said Ferris, who is no longer speaking with his mother. I think that's what estranged means. They said earlier that he was estranged from her. In more than a third of the cases that nursing homes filed in Monroe County against friends and relatives, the people sued had no power of attorney, limiting their access to residents' money to pay bills. Court records show that Rochester area nursing homes frequently accuse family and friends of hiding residents' money and property to avoid paying the debts. The allegation is known in debt law as fraudulent conveyance, but it is commonly interpreted by those being sued as an accusation of theft, which can be a very frightening um, to uh, can be very frightening. The consumer attorneys say. All right, well, that's the end of the yellow highlight on that article. So let's move to another article. Uh, Barking up the same tree, uh, the title of this article is Defending Nursing Home Collection Lawsuits. Nursing homes and long-term care are big business, and private equity investors have flocked to this area, which is expected to grow to $240 billion by 2025. That's only a few years away. Uh, The entry of private equity investors is helping to drive an aggressive profit orientation that includes shockingly abusive collection tactics. The pressure to increase profits may come at the expense not only of nursing home residents, but also their families who bear tremendous stress as they struggle to care for ailing loved ones. Family members rarely pay close attention to the fine print of nursing homes, admission agreements, that create the obligations of responsible parties and make the residents and their families responsible to apply for Medicare or Medicaid nursing home benefits. These unseen contractual terms lead to nursing homes later suing families and friends for their loved ones' bills, bills that can exceed $100,000. Families are pressured into paying the debts out of their own pockets to avoid loss of the residents' desperately needed care. Medicare and Medicaid both cover care in a skilled nursing facility, but there are significant differences between the two programs. Medicare generally covers only the first 100 days of nursing home skilled care. Days 1 through 20 are fully covered, while patients are responsible for a daily co-insurance payment, which is hundreds and hundreds of dollars per day, um, uh, for days 21 through 100. After Medicare benefits run out, nursing home residents often transition to Medicaid long-term care. While Medicaid is a federal health care program, it is separately administered by each state, and each state sets a different requirement for Medicaid eligibility, including age, 
disability, medical necessity, and asset ceilings. Examine Medicaid rules in the relevant state to determine whether a nursing home has complied with requirements with the state uh, that the state places on nursing homes. Many nursing homes fail to send residents important Medicare notices and make mistakes in applying for Medicare and Medicaid coverage on behalf of the residents. These mistakes may lead to strong defenses to a nursing home's collection lawsuit. Additionally, if the improper Medicare and Medicaid coverage determination was recent, the residents may be able to appeal the decision and secure retroactive coverage to reduce or eliminate a bill. That means if the nursing home messed up and did not apply properly or in a timely manner for Medicaid or Medicare that would have paid for some or all of the uh, nursing home costs, that the uh, nursing home patient may actually be given benefits retroactively uh, in order to uh, reduce the amount of debt. Common defenses where third parties are defendants. Um, In nursing home lawsuits generally against third parties, such as family members, caregivers, guardians, and agents, defenses will depend on the claims asserted in the lawsuits. For breach of contract claims, determine how the facts of the case relate to the case. For example, despite signing a contract with a responsible party clause, a person should not be personally liable for the nursing home debt if the person did not have actual access or authority to use the resident's funds. If bills were never sent to the responsible party, during the time when the person had access to the resident's funds, um, then uh, they're apparently not liable. In recent cases, consumer lawyers have successfully argued that a third party was acting as the resident's agent, and the agency's law protects the agent from being responsible for the uh, resident's debts. And so uh, another common defense goes to the state of damages being claimed. While a bill for nursing home services can easily be hundreds of thousands of dollars, damages against third parties should be limited to the amount of funds the resident had and not the total bill for services. The third party's responsibility under a responsible party clause can only relate to funds that the resident possessed. And let's see, we move along to uh, a paragraph entitled Doctrine of Necessaries and Familial Duty to Support. That's the headline, Doctrine of Necessaries and Familial Duty to Support. A nursing home may sue a third party for residence debt based on the doctrine of necessaries. While this typically only applies to spouses, in some states there is a familial duty to support that extends the doctrine to other family members. Some states abolish the doctrine of necessities or rule it unconstitutional. Oh, boy, I'd hate to get trapped by that. I've got some siblings I like better than others, and um, fortunately, most of my siblings are going to be self-sufficient when it comes to nursing home problems, if they encounter any at all. Um, Anyway, I'm hoping that uh, they don't send me to the county farm or any place like that. I'd rather be just uh, uh, cared for in my home until my brain ceases to function, and then I think they can probably take me out and throw me in a hole in the backyard. Randy, do you have any uh, end-of-life plans? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. I've got it well well planned out. What are they going to do to you? I'm going to be in Dublin. Okay. 
sitting on a you know uh, on a stool at my favorite pub and right. then i'm going to have my last guinness and keel off the keel off the stool and hit the floor and that's it okay well i hope you time it well because what if you hit the floor and then you realize you're still thirsty well i'll raise a hand and say start well and as you know the term for to give me another guinness in ireland uh-huh. Uh-huh. is start start me another <laughs> okay i didn't know so, that but i do now yes so you raise your hand and you go, start me another. And the reason for that, for you people who aren't Guinness drinkers, is that pouring a good Guinness is a two-step process. So you have to pour pour some in with the nitro on and then let it settle and then put the head on it without the nitro. And yeah, ultimately, I- yeah, it's a 92-second job. According to the Guinness Brewery, it's 92 seconds. Last time I was at Randy's house, uh, and every time I asked him for a Guinness, not only was there a whole rigmarole to go through to actually get the Guinness in my container, um, but also there was a strange language that we had to speak. Yes, it was almost yes. like a religious ceremony that in some yes. foreign language. And and I know now uh, over the course of the next you know few Guinness gatherings, you'll begin to understand because I think your palate will begin to. Uh, convey to you the difference between a well-poured Guinness and a poorly poured Guinness. But if you don't pour a Guinness properly, yep. it's totally, totally wrong. Did you ever go up to that uh, to the Mountain View pub and uh, talk to that girl about her, her Guinness consumption or their sales, I, which she said well, was I, the... I have- I haven't gotten to her yet, but okay. I obviously I've been to the Mountain View many times, and yeah. you know, just uh, offhand checking their Guinness pouring capabilities. Uh-huh. And the bar, the barman up there, as I probably mentioned in the past, is one of the best. Oh, good. He he can he knows how to pour a Guinness better than I've seen in Arizona personally. Well, I got to tell you, uh, my favorite place to drink Guinness is your driveway, and uh, that's what we're planning to do during our next recording session. And yes. Uh, except for the, except for all of the rules and regulations that one must follow when enjoying a Guinness, I found it to be a very, very enjoyable uh, day. And so I'm looking forward to repeating that again. Uh, we're going to do that in a couple of days and you'll hear this, I'm guessing early next week is, uh, when you're likely to yep. hear that, that podcast yep. episode. We did that. I don't know. Was it last year or the year before we did that? It seems to me it was in 2020 because, uh, COVID had struck, and frankly, people were starting to get a little uh, hinky about going out with people, and uh, we hadn't gotten to the mask part yet. The mask Nazis had not uh, had not uh, manifested themselves, but you and I, uh, because we're in Arizona and we love the, the weather, you and I, I think on St. Patty's Day in March of 2020, was uh, yeah. we were out in the driveway uh, podcasting, into your telephone, which sounded fantastic by the time yes. the episode was dropped. Yes. Well, I am, I like you, Doug, I am looking forward to this because it seems as though, and I may be wrong, but I hope I'm not. We got a tremendous amount of boost in our podcast downloads and listeners uh, for that what we were calling the on-site or off-site right. or what at the, Carson's Pub. So, so uh, I hope to have that happen again. Well, let's do it uh, two days from now, unless weather, inclement weather strikes or something like that. Or well, we'll if something, be, we'll be inside the garage anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. But if something comes up and your schedule changes, I understand completely. I mean, well, I've got we, all we the Guinness stocked in. 
All okay. the Guinness is stocked in. We're ready to go. But yeah, if something, you know, if I get hit by a beer truck, you know, trying to get more Guinness, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so anyway, we need to sign off here. We, uh, we bottom line have used our time. We've used our fuel. We've used everything we had, but uh, we need to thank the audience. And there's a couple things. I don't remember whether we mentioned early in the podcast, but Doug loves to get email. And you can write him at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Obviously, go get yourself some paperbacks. Those of you who are new to the podcast, this is a paperback that Doug uses as a basis for a lot of the information in this podcast. Medicare for the Lazy Man, Easiest and Simplest Guide Ever, 2022, which is the green version. We have the audio book and we have the Kindle book. And you can get any combination thereof. And, uh, you know, coming into the holiday, they're going to be a good thing to have because everybody, I mean, we literally, everybody wants a copy of this for the holidays. We can't keep them on the shelf. It's incredible. I know. It, it's, just, it's just crazy. But up until then, we are going to sign off today. Thank you for spending about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones the anti-insurance insurance guy from Cave Creek, Arizona, hailing from Oklahoma originally. He has now applied for his mountain guide license because he's now living in the mountains up behind Cave Creek. And he just moved down below the tree line. But before that, he was way, way up there. It was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. <laughs>